0: Hello and welcome to another edition of Todd Talks Bible. This engaging discipleship-based Bible study is sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. And our teacher is Todd Toles, the founder and director of CDM. A career firefighter captain before entering the ministry, Todd founded Church Discipleship Ministries to equip and empower believers to fulfill your calling to be a spiritual warrior dedicated to fulfilling the Great Commission. Let's listen in now as Todd Talks Bible.
1: Can a church be worldly? And if so, doesn't that mean Christians can too? Can Christians actually be more like the world than Christ? Well, let's talk about that coming up next. Hi, brothers and sisters. My name is Todd Toles, and I am the director of Church Discipleship Ministries. I want to welcome you to our discipleship program, Todd Talks Bible. Before we get started today, please do me a favor. Right now, go to my YouTube channel and down below, hit the subscribe button. And while you're there, click on the thumbs up button. By doing these two things, you'll let YouTube know you like this content and they'll be able to make it more readily available to others. And please pray for this ministry. I want to get these videos and this material out to as many believers in America as possible, because I am afraid that the days are evil and the last days may be upon us. I don't know for sure, but just in case, I want every Christian to be ready. Also, please, if you're worried about missing any of this material, don't. We are now on every major uh, podcast platform. The links to these podcast platforms are in the video description section right at the bottom of this video. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Victory Radio, iHeartRadio, and many others. So check these links out, and that way you won't have to miss anything when you're going back and forth to work or on vacation. Thank you for supporting our ministry. And let's dive right into today's study. We're in the book of Revelation, and we're studying chapter 2, starting verse 12, with the Church of Pergamon. The Church of Pergamon is the third church of the seven churches that this book of Revelation was addressed to. So let's get started by reading in verse 12. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know that you live in the city where that great throne of Satan is located, and yet you have remained loyal to me, and you refuse to deny me, even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you by Satan's followers. And yet I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you like who are like Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to worship idols by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sins. In the same way, you have some Nicolaitans among you, people who follow the same teaching and commit the same sins. Repent, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Everyone who is victorious will eat of the man that has been hidden away in heaven." And I will give to each one a white stone, and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. Now, if you remember from our previous studies, we are looking at each church in the book of Revelation from three different points of view. First, we're looking at it as what was going on with that specific church in the time of John when he wrote this book. Secondly, we're looking at it as a history lesson because each church shows a section of the history of the church for the last 2,000 years. And finally, we're taking all these truths that we're learning and seeing how we can apply what we're learning to us as Christians today, because we want to make sure we can use these truths to help us face what we're going through currently here in America. Now, let's talk a little bit about the time period this church represents. Just to give you a feel for it, this time period starts around the 300 year, okay? Starts around the uh, 4th century, year 300, and goes through 300, 400, and 500. So three centuries are represented within this letter. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. But now let's look at the traits that Jesus has. You remember that each letter kind of follows the same pattern. Jesus introduces himself to the church with certain aspects of his description. And that relates later on to the rewards he gives to those who overcome. So let's look at it again. In verse 12, it says, write to the letter, write this letter to the angel of the church of Pergamum. This is the message from the one who has a sharp two-edged sword. Now, you remember this as part of the description in chapter one, when John saw Jesus standing there with a sharp two-edged sword coming from his mouth. And we talked about that then, and it's real clear what this is. It's talking about the word of God. The word of God, we're told, is sharper than any two-edged sword. And also, we all, even growing up today, we will say, look, have you got your Bible? Oh, yeah, I got my sword with me, brother. You know, we refer to it as the sword because of those verses. So it's clear that it's talking about the Bible, the written word of God. Now, let's look and see how Jesus knows what's going on in this church of Pergamum. Let's look at the knowledge of Jesus concerning this church. Verse 13, Jesus says, I know you live in the city where the great throne of Satan is located and yet you remain loyal to me. Now, what's he mean by the city of Satan's throne? Well, Pergamum was a very uh, rich and wonderful city. It was beautiful. It was a Roman uh, city. In other words, it was a, an approved city. It had a temple there for emperor worship. Not only that, it had a temple to Zeus or Jupiter, depending if you were speaking of the Greek god or the equivalent Roman god, Zeus and Jupiter, same god. Also, it also had a temple to uh, Dionysius, which was the Greek equivalent of the Roman god Bacchus, the god of wine. And not only that, it had a uh, final temple, to Asclepius, Asclepius, who was the god of healing. And it was really a serpent cult. And if uh, the different th- treatments they used to heal you didn't work, they would lay you down on part of the temple, let all these snakes crawl all over you and see if that would heal you. So, uh, you know, hey, we talk about us having trouble with insurance. I don't know if our insurance would cover that at all. But that's what it was. It's kind of like a snake cult trying to heal people. So this was just filled with all types of uh, idol worship. Now, going along with all this idol worship, of course, is the uh, prostitutes, the temple prostitutes, the uh, the sexual orgies, especially with Bacchus. It was eat, drink, and be merry if you were following that religion. And so it was all types of uh, immorality going on, and just pure evil. And that's why Jesus refers to it as the city that has the throne of Satan or the headquarters of Satan there. Because at this particular point in time in history, Satan was just running rampant in this city. And it was greatly influencing the culture of its day for an evil purpose. Now let's go on. He says, not only does he know that you are there where that great throne of Satan is located, but he says you; they remain loyal to me, and he goes on and says you refused to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you by Satan's followers. Now Antipas, uh, according to Christian tradition, uh, to church tradition, states that the Apostle John, the same one that wrote this book, actually placed Antipas as an elder or bishop depending on which translation you're using of the Pergamum church and he was actually the head of the church the Christian church in Pergamum uh the the bishop or the the elder now later on during the persecution of nero around the year 64 to 68 AD during that persecution antipas was martyred So there's a connection there that John uh, actually placed this elder into his ministry and blessed his ministry. And today we call it ordaining it. I don't think they called it that back then. But he was placed in the role of being the the leader of the church there in Pergamum and later was persecuted and martyred during the uh, persecution of Nero. Now, that's what Jesus was referring to, evidently, and so this church was fairly dynamic, and they were loyal. They did not walk away from the faith when, when they were faced with persecution. They stood strong even when they saw their beloved leader martyred, and they refused to deny the name of Jesus. Listen to what it says. It says you refuse to deny me. You refuse to walk away from me, even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred. So this is a strong church as far as their commitment and their faith to the Lord. But Jesus goes on. Let's look at the message he has for this church, because this church does have some things it needs to work on. And Jesus talks to them in kind of Plain, blunt, strong words. Let's look at it. And yet I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you who are like Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to worship idols by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In the same way, you have some Nicolaitans among you, people who follow the same teaching and commit the same sins. Now, if you read it in the New Living Translation, and I I love the New Living Translation, it's my primary study Bible now, it kind of makes it sound like it's all the same group, that the people who follow the teachings of Nicolaitans are doing the same thing as the teachings of Balaam. And that's not really the way it is in the original language. I'm going to read a more literal translation that covers this verse almost exactly the way the Greek has it. And this is in the New King James Version, the New King James Version. Listen to how it breaks down this passage here. But I have a few things against you, Jesus says, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, or the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Now, that sounds fairly similar to the other translations. So it was a group of people that were teaching the doctrine of Balaam or using the teachings of Balaam. But let's go on. Listen how it changes. And this is, like I say, it's very close to the original language. Verse 15. Thus you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now, this is pretty strong words. First of all, Jesus is saying there's two things that's going on here people who are teaching the uh, doctrine or the teachings of Balaam, but also a second group that are holding to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. And he says these teachings he hates. Now, if you remember, he brought up the word Nicolaitans or the group of the Nicolaitans to the first church in Ephesus. In Revelation 2, verse 6, it says this, But there is this about you that is good. You hate the deeds of the immoral Nicolaitans just as I do. So the first church, Ephesus, was rejecting the teaching of the Nicolaitans and Christ bragged on them for it. But this church, Pergamum, is accepting the teachings of Nicolaitans and Jesus got upset at them for it. Now, that's the message. And he gives them a warning. He says, listen. Repent, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Again, the word of God. Now, let's see how these two groups affected the church, okay, and how it fits in to the overall historical uh, events of church history for the last 2,000 years. First of all, let's talk about the teachings of Balaam. You know the story. Balaam was a prophet for hire. And anybody could hire him, and he would get of uh, a, a prophecy from God, a real prophecy from the Lord God, and he'd give it to somebody. But he was doing this and using this gift purely for money. Now, he was asked by Balak, a king that wanted to stop the Israelites from coming into the promised land, he was asked for a prophecy or a curse against them. But every time Balaam tried... God gave him a blessing to give to the people. And so he gave the blessing that God told him to. Now, because of this, Balak was very upset. And somewhere along the line, it doesn't say exactly when in the scripture, but we read about it later, that uh, when Moses and Joshua and the armies of Israel conquered Balak, they killed Balaam because he was leading the people astray. But it doesn't say how he did it. But piecing this passage here in Revelation together with the passage in the Old Testament, we can kind of put two and two together. Evidently, when Balaam uh, kept blessing the nation of Israel, Balak was so mad and frustrated, they separated. But Balaam evidently went back to Balak and said, look, here's how you can defeat Israel. They aren't supposed to assimilate into the culture. They are supposed to set themselves apart as holy to God. So what you need to do is get the beautiful women that worship idols here to seduce the men and get them involved in idol worship. And that's what they did. And this caused a huge problem with the people of Israel during their time in the wilderness. Now, I'm not going to go into all that story totally. You can read about it in the Old Testament. But later on, Balaam was killed and that's why when they conquered Balak and his armies, they killed Balaam. That's why, because he taught Balak how to seduce them by trying to tempt them to being assimilated into the pagan culture of that area. Now, if you take this truth, you can understand what's going on with the church of Pergamum. You see, they had all these temples, all these false religions, and they had all these sordid activities going on that we talked about earlier. Well, there was evidently people there within the community, and maybe even influencing the church, maybe even uh, fake believers, you know, trying to be part of the church. But there were people leading the believers astray and saying, look, it's okay to assimilate into this culture. You know, listen, if we don't worship the emperor, we might go through persecution again. We don't want that. So it's okay to do this. You know, I can even imagine some people, I don't know if they did this or not, but I can imagine them do it because that's what they do today, taking the Bible and twisting it. I can imagine some people would say, hey, Jesus even said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar and unto God what is God. And so they would use scripture, I'm sure, to try and and uh, twist it and, and give a, an excuse and find a loophole to assimilate into this pagan uh, culture and to participate and all this idolatry and sexual immorality. So that was going on. And this group, uh, Jesus just hits them square on the head and identifies them perfectly. He says, look, you're just like Balaam was, who led the people of Israel astray and told Balak how to do that. So that's what's going on there. The people are being tempted to assimilate into the pagan culture of this town, this city. Now that's all the time we have for this session because the next section of this passage, when it talks about how they tolerated the teachings of the Nicolaitans is really extensive and we're gonna have to go over some history for that. So get ready for that, but we'll do that next time. But for now, I want us to meditate and conclude with these thoughts. The teachings of Balaam were ones of assimilation how to assimilate the people of Israel and therefore put stumbling blocks before them. And you know, that's the same tactics that Satan still uses today in the spiritual war. Think about how many churches are more like the world in their philosophy than what Christ teaches in the word. Also think about yourself. Are there areas in your life that you're more like the world than Jesus? Are you being assimilated into the world? Are you becoming more and more like the world instead of shining brighter and brighter as a light in the darkness? Do you believe that uh, all lives are sacred? Or do you think lives that are in utero can be disposed of? Do you think that we should live lives of righteousness? Or do you think it's okay? to do a little bit of sin here and there, as long as you don't get caught. Do you think that it's wrong to have anybody uh, feel like they are less than human? Do you think racism is wrong? Or are you more like the world that thinks, oh, it's okay to look down on people because of their race? See, the Bible, Christ taught that all are equal. Are we like Christ or are we like the world? Do you think it's okay to destroy people's property who are innocent just because you're fighting for a good cause? Or do you believe the best way to reach someone is by sharing the truth with them and changing their hearts? That's what Christ did. So there's all kinds of ways that we can be worldly, and not shine the bright light of Christ's grace and love into the world. We want Christ to forgive us of our sins, but are we willing to forgive others of their past sins? Or are we worldly and hold them into account 20, 30 years later and cancel out a person's life if they don't meet up to our standards? That's not the way of Christ. That's the way of the world. So ask yourself, is your church worldly? And if you're seeing some areas that concern you, then ask yourself this question. Are you worldly? Or are you more like Christ? These are important questions that the church in America needs to look at. And every Christian in America needs to really meditate on. Because the days are getting darker and we need to be shining brighter with the light of Christ's love. Well, I hope you enjoyed this part A, this first part of our study on the Church of Pergamum. We'll conclude next session. So I hope to see you there. And in the meantime, keep your eyes to the sky and read your Bible.
0: Thank you for listening to Todd Talks Bible, sponsored by Church Discipleship Ministries. For more information, please visit churchdiscipleshipministries.com or check today's show notes for the link. Our teachings are also available on YouTube. Simply search for Todd Talks Bible. I'm Brian Race, encouraging you to subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also consider sharing this timely teaching with someone you believe needs to hear it. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.